You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Thank you, Pastor Keith, and uh, it is a delight to be here today. I appreciate the opportunity to share God's Word in any setting, at any opportunity, and I'm really glad to be able to be here to meet more of you today and to have the opportunity to share in the Word. I hope to encourage and to challenge you from God's Word today. Let the Word speak to our hearts. Uh, One of the things that you find in the book of Hebrews is that for the children of God, uh, we understand that Jesus is better. We've sung about that this morning. Uh, you're, you're better. And he's better than everything and anything, all of the religious things and all of the other things that enter into our lives. Jesus is better. But the passage also says that in Christ there is a better rest. Uh, there is the spiritual rest of knowing that we know God and that we have a relationship with him and that we can spend eternity with him. But that rest shouldn't wait until the time that we come to uh, be with the Lord in his eternal presence. We should begin already to rest in the Lord. So as we get ready to worship today, I want to ask you to lay your burdens down for a few minutes. And just rest in the fact that you are a child of God. And because we are children of God, if we put our trust in him and we seek him with all our heart, then he is going to take care of what we're going through. He is going to see us through. It's going to be okay, ultimately, because of who he is. And so take a deep breath, if you will, and just rest in who Jesus is and in your relationship with him. Now, if you can't find that resting place, Uh, The music already this morning also has reminded us of the simple gospel, (laughs) that you can have that resting place in Christ. You can put your rest and your faith and your trust in him, and he'll take care of you both now and forever. And so just getting focused on Jesus and the fact that you are his is an important part of worship because all of us have experienced lots of things already this morning. (laughs) Life is full of stuff busy things and all of that and so we need to rest in the Lord and then we're going to come to a passage of scripture in just a few moments that's going to talk to us about not only resting in the Lord but racing for the Lord Uh, running the race that is set before us and we'll come to that in just a moment first let me ask you another question how many of you are sports fans lift hand okay (laughs) almost everybody you forgot that earlier okay yeah uh, we're almost all sports fans, and uh, it's, I've pastored in Cedar Rapids for years, and it's close to Iowa City, and most of the people there were Hawkeye fans, and, and I tell you what, you could tell on Sunday morning when you came to church whether the Hawks won or lost yesterday. <laughs> you didn't have to ask anybody, you didn't have to look at the, the score, if, even if you weren't at the game. I mean, it just changed the mood around there. Everybody, I think, in Iowa, whether you're a Hawks fan or a Cyclone fan, and neither of them having great seasons right now, Uh, Hawkeyes looked better yesterday. Cyclones, not so good, I guess. Uh, You know, or maybe you're a Drake Bulldog fan. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Well, uh, what what is your favorite sport? 
And let's say it all at once. Don't, I don't want popcorn. I want everybody at once on one, two, three. Just what is your favorite sport? One, two, three. All right. I heard some basket and foot and all of that in there. That's good. Well, and let's go another step. What's your favorite team? One, two, three. All right. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, we all get into that. I do too. I enjoy it. And when I don't get to watch the games, I check the scores. You know, I want to know who won and how it, how it turned out and, and those kinds of things. We tend to take those kinds of things uh, rather uh, seriously. Uh, I, Cynthia and I, my wife Cynthia and I lived almost 10 years in Alaska. And there they didn't have much football. A few schools were starting to put in football teams. They loved basketball, and man, in those small gyms, even in the small villages, uh, they played basketball uh, uh, with, with their whole heart, <laughs> and they were good at basketball. But in Alaska, there was another sport that was really important to them there, and, it was in, and, and in other places in the country of similar climate. Can you guess what that might be? All right, sled dog racing, dog sledding. Uh, it was an important part of life there in the old days, and it's a very important sport. And the most famous of the sled dog races is what? The Iditarod. And we lived in Anchorage, and so we had the privilege of, on several occasions, being there for what's called the ceremonial start of the Iditarod. If you can picture all those sled dogs that you see on TV, if you've never seen them in person, and, and uh, that climate. Well, in Anchorage, they started the Iditarod on the first Saturday in March... And some 60 to 80, usually, teams of dogs and mushers would start out on the Iditarod. And they'd run for about 10 miles out to Centennial Park on the edge of town. And that was the ceremonial start. On the next day, they had the serious official start. They'd pick those sled dogs up, take them about 70 miles north, and in Willow, Alaska, on a frozen lake, they would start out on what, depending on the route, would be between 900 and 1,100 miles of some of the roughest, toughest terrain and, and climate and, and circumstances that you could ever imagine. It was a grueling race. Now, in that race, there were veterans who had run it many times. And in that race, there were rookies. There were first-timers that were just getting started in, and officially competing in that kind of race. And when you looked at the field, they were all there with great enthusiasm, and they were starting the race uh, with uh, just uh, all kinds of excitement, and they were excited, the dogs were excited, the crowds were cheering them on. Everybody's excited because the Iditarod is underway once again. But the reality is that starting that race, somewhere between 60 and, and 80 teams, only probably about 10% of those thought they had a chance to actually win the race. There were uh, a number of people who knew that they were not going to win. In fact, they didn't plan to compete for the whole time. They were just in it for a little while. Kind of like the, uh, the uh, ragbri riders that just could ride for a day or two along the way. And other. Well, there's some who start the race knowing that they're not likely to even finish the race. So they don't start with a lot of of confidence about it. But for the most part, the mushers start those races with this in mind. I'm going to run the best race I can, and I'm going to finish 
the race. I'm going to still be behind that sled and those dogs, and we're still going to be mushing across that countryside till we get to Nome and go through the burled arches, these wooden arches they built that are the official finish line of that race. I'm going to finish the race. And so the goal for all of them, and uh, almost all of them from the very beginning, is that I want to run well, I want to take care of myself and take care of my team and all of that, and I want to finish. I want to finish strong. I want to still be mushing, <laughs> and those dogs are, are, are feeling good when we cross the finish line. Now, they weren't competing, most of them, against each other. They were running to finish. They wanted to complete the race and do it well. In fact, there is a trophy for the last musher to cross the finish line. They have a red lantern trophy, they call it. Now, uh, most, few of us are old enough to remember the old cabooses on trains where that when the last uh, tr ca the caboose, the last car went through, uh, there was one of the, uh, the crewmen out there, and he was waving a lantern. And if you're watching the train, you knew that the last car had passed. And, and you, were, you were on the way through. Well, in the Iditarod, they give a trophy. And sometimes that person arrives a week or more later than the first finishers. But they stayed in the race. They kept running that race. They wanted to finish that race. Well, the people across the Alaska and much of the world celebrate this race. In fact, they call it the last great race. And those who run well and uh, finish strong, have a degree of commitment and perseverance and other things that, that are necessary to be able to face all the challenges of that race and keep on running well and finish strong. But I want to submit to you that there is another real last great race. And that's the race most of us will never see in person, the Iditarod. And almost none of us, I think, and I think I could safely say none of us will ever really run in the Iditarod. But we all individually have been called upon by our Lord to run the race that is set before us. And there's a passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 that talks about that. And I want to read that passage of Scripture. And if you will, follow along uh, in, in the Word and uh, if you're hopefully able to see it, if not, turn in your Bible if you can. And, but listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 12. Here the scripture says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. 
Now, in this passage of Scripture today, we find that the Lord has given to us, through the writer of Hebrews, two major challenges. He informs us here that we have a race to run, and he says to us there in verse 1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And that word endurance incorporates enough ideas to say to us, let's get in the race, let's do our best in the race, let's finish the race. We're going to endure to the end. And then a little bit later on, down in that passage, he speaks to us uh, in, and uh, talks, gives us the second one of those challenges in verse 3. And it says, so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. In other words, if we're going to really be able to run well and finish strong, we've got to deal with those things in our lives that would cause us to be weary and faint-hearted. Some translations say weary and lose heart. Or lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. And either one of those things, whether you're weary and losing heart, weary and faint-hearted, or weary and discouraged in your soul, to try to run the race, weary and discouraged in your soul, is just going to be a drag. And we're not going to run very well, and we're not going to finish very strongly in the race that is set before us. Now, these two challenges are, are given to us and uh, the concept here is how do we get in and stay in and finish the race that God has given to each one of us. Let me further identify the race as being that assignment in personal life, discipleship, and ministry that God has given to you, to each one of us as his children. All of those roles are significant to him and they should be significant to us as well. The fact is, there are a lot of folks who never really get in the race. Maybe they came to faith, but they never really get in the race of, of, of their life purpose before the Lord. There are others who start with good intention, but before the race day starts, like with the Iditarod, there are some who scratch before they ever get on the sled. They never really get off on the, the tour or on the trail to be in the race. Maybe they did the ceremonial start, the 10-mile stretch in town, but they never really got going on the real trail to Nome. And there are others who along the way, they, they are working at it to begin with, and they start with enthusiasm, but for one reason or another, they withdraw, they stop running. As they go along some of them have legitimate reasons some of them have an injury or the injury to a dog or, or something that causes them to have to withdraw their equipment breaks they can't keep running like they intended from the beginning but for others they never intended to finish they didn't have the commitment to finish when the going got tough they withdrew when they were challenged, uh, uh, they, they uh, you know, lost their temper and their temperament uh, changed. And so they had no heart for the race anymore. There are lots of reasons for it to happen. But here we're challenged 
to run with endurance the race, get in it, stay in it, finish it. And we're challenged to not let things get to us so that we become weary and discouraged in our souls, weary and faint-hearted. Now, let me ask you, have you, fe have you felt that? <laughs> Sometimes this race is, is challenging, but God has called us to run it and run it well. Well, let's talk about not only uh, the challenges, though, but how do you do it? I think that everyone who is a genuine believer and who wants to be a disciple of Christ, they want to run well and finish strong. But there are lots of things along the way that can get in our way. But in this passage of Scripture, the Lord gives us at least four keys, at least four keys to how, uh, that will help us know how and to be able to run well and finish strong the race that is set before us. The first one of these is found in, in verse 1, and it actually refers back to the whole previous chapter, chapter 11. But in verse 1, he tells us, first of all, if I may paraphrase it or summarize it, listen to the right voices. Folks, we live in a noisy world. And there are lots of voices crying out for our attention and crying out for our allegiance, crying out uh, to be able to somehow capture us and draw us into their world or their side. There are lots of noisy voices out there. And if we are going to run well and finish strong, we've got to keep our focus on the race and to do that, we've got to be listening to the right voices. Now, I could spend the rest of the morning listing all the voices you shouldn't listen to. At least not very much. There are the discouragers and the naysayers and the hecklers. There are the mockers and the scoffers about the things of God and the things uh, that, are, that are here. Uh, and among those hecklers, you know, there are those that are saying, oh, you can't do that, or what you're doing is silly, or it's foolish to be a Christian, all of those kinds of things. And then the, the, the uh, mockers and the scoffers, same kind of spirit, all of those with the spirit of Antichrist. You know, there are hundreds of voices in our world who have captured the spirit of Antichrist. That is, they are against the, anything that's of God in the world, wherever it is, in society. And those voices are always going to be there. There are those voices that undermine everything they can of good and of God. There is the enemy who's always speaking to us, but sometimes he speaks through people, and they're the perpetual critics they're the embittered in the world that always have a negative thing to say to you. And if you're not careful, you'll get bogged down or distracted hearing all the negative voices in the world. When I was in high school, my sport was baseball. In our county, we had a rival team. We were, I grew up in a little town called Myrtle and uh, our team was named, our school was named for the town, so it was Myrtle. And then East Union, Union County. And that team had developed the, the um, art of heckling to the best level I've ever seen. They were really good at heckling. 
and they would talk to you constantly when you're in the field. And after a while, you start looking at them, and after a while, you start talking back to them. And I remember some of the best advice I've ever had, and I've used it over and over again in my life and ministry. Our coach called us together between innings, and he said, the next one of you that speaks to that bench will be sitting on this bench. <laughs> because if you're listening and you're spending all your time responding to them, you're, you're losing your focus. Your mind is not in the game. And it's amazing to me how the enemy intends to distract us, and he gets all of these loud voices crying out to us to capture our minds and to literally hold us hostage so that we're not able to focus on the race. Who are we listen to? Well, in this passage, he says we're encompassed with a great crowd or cloud of witnesses, some translations. And those witnesses are the people listed in Hebrews chapter 11. They are the folks who have already run the race and finished the race, and they've done it by faith in the Lord, and they are here to cheer you on. They're not here to spectate. They're not here to criticize. They are here to cheer you on, to say, hey, you can do it. You can do it. Stay in there. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't be distracted. You can do this. And day after day, they encourage you in your race. Well, there were those in the Bible day in chapter 11. And since that time, over time, there have been many others who've run the race well and finished strong. And they bear testimony to the fact that when things get going tough, you can keep your faith in and eyes on the Lord and you will finish the race and finish it well. The main person that we have to listen to is the voice of the Lord in his word and by his spirit he will always be there to give you the word you need for the day for that segment of the race and he will always be there to lift you up and encourage you if you're seeking to serve him and follow him to run well and finish strong well we could spend a lot more time there but the first key is get your ears tuned in to the encouraging voices, to the voice of the Lord, and to the voice of the faithful who have done it and done it well. Don't be distracted by the others. The second key is that we need to lay aside the impeding cargo. Here in this passage, he says to us uh, just, just very, very clearly, as we, if we're going to run this right, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely when those mushers get ready to start on that journey they are required to have certain things to take care of themselves and their dogs on that sled and they better have them on that sled when they finish the race or they're penalized for not having them. they could even be disqualified no matter how well they've run they thought they didn't take care of business but I tell you, they know that every extra thing that they put on that sled, those dogs are going to have to pull it over some of the toughest terrain, up and down mountains and through those ice fields and along the coast when the winds are howling. They know the dogs are going to have to pull all the rest of it. And so they have learned how to streamline the sleds and not put any weight on there that's not necessary for the journey. 
And so he says, if we're going to run well here, let's lay aside every weight. These are not necessarily bad things. They're just all those other things that we add on in our lives that tend to slow us down or to bog us down, to hold us back so that we're not able to run. Many Christians that I know, their lives are so full of other stuff that they have little energy and little time and little resources left to actually serve the Lord, their main purpose in life, to run their race spiritually. And so he says, if you're going to run well, you're going to have to unload some stuff, stuff that's not important to the kingdom, not important eternally, so that you can move forward in the race that I've set before you. Now, these things that I've said are not always bad things, but they're just extra things. And they could be, though, uh, things that we're attached to in the world that we love so much we just can't give them up even for the Lord or even back off even for the Lord. Sometimes they are the hurts and experiences of the past that we've not been able to lay down. Sometimes they're good, okay stuff that just fills up our lives and overloads the sled. Sometimes they are uh, stuff, th 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 this is stuff that others put on our sled. <laughs> Others bog us down, weigh us down with things that hinder us from being able to run the race. And here he said, for those things that you know shouldn't be on your sled, for those things that are hindering you in your race for the Lord, learn to lay aside those things. Find their proper place, assign them their proper importance, but move into your race without being bogged down by the things that you might want and that others might want to put on your sled. Start with a streamlined and an unencumbered sled. But the second part of this lay aside thing is, he said lay aside every weight, but he also said lay aside the sin that clings so closely. The, the sin that keeps on hanging on in our life. And here we are talking about things that we know shouldn't be a part of our lives. And they're going to keep tripping us up as we try to run our race. And folks, if you're running a race or if you're uh, on the sled or, or you're playing in a game, if something keeps tripping you up so you're constantly having to get up from the same trip up <laughs> over and over again, you will not be able to run faithfully the race that is set before you we don't run well and we don't finish strong when we are constantly tripping ourselves up over something that we know shouldn't be part of our life to begin with if it's contrary to the word of god if it's contrary to the will of god and if it's contrary to the ways of god it has no place in our lives and so we've got to be willing to unload some stuff out of our lives if we're really going to be running the race. And it may just be impeding cargo in the sense of too many other things, and it may be that there's something in your heart or mind that you know is not pleasing to God. And we keep on trying to carry it on the race with us, and it keeps on tripping us up in our race. The third thing, and perhaps the most important key, not only do we listen to the right voices and do we lay aside the impeding cargo, 
But we've got to look to the victorious Lord. The simple way of saying that is we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. It is so easy to get our eyes on other people or on other things and to get distracted from looking at who he is. One of the things I appreciated about the worship music this morning already is how it kept reminding us of who Jesus is, the importance of Jesus, putting our focus on, on him, and, and it, it draws us back there. Folks, if we're going <clears> to <throat> worship well or if we're going to run well the race and finish strong, we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord. He tells us that in two ways in this passage as it continues on. First of all, he says we're to run with the race with endurance, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. One translation says he is the one who started it all, and he is the perfecter. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And here he's simply saying, fix your eyes on the Lord. If you get your, li- uh, your eyes on anyone else, it's going to either cause you disappointment or jealousy or envy or complacency. I'm just as good as they are, so I'm okay. Or it will cause pride and self-glory. If we keep our eyes on others, we're going to constantly be distracted from the race that we have that is set before us. We need to not be on the world and the things of the world. You remember Demas? Do you know that name from Scripture? He was the one that was so faithful in Paul's ministry early on. He was with them. But there came a point where he said of Demas, he has departed from us, having loved this present world. (laughs) I don't know where he went. I don't know what it was. But there was something that he wanted more than he wanted to be faithful to the Lord. Not at the giants to be faced. Remember when the children of Israel were offered the opportunity to go into the promised land? And 12 of the spies went out and 10 of them came back. And one of the things they said was, there are giants over there. We can't do that. We can't do this. Yes, you can. With God's help. He'd already promised to give them the land. But they let the giants make them afraid and undermine their faith. We need not to uh, look at the capabilities or incapabilities we can't do that or we can do it on our own and we certainly don't need to keep our eyes on the enemy we need to keep our eyes on jesus focus on him looking to jesus is to focus on him who he is it means to to study him to to look at him he's the author and the finisher of our faith remember we're getting in the race and we're finishing the race the best example is what jesus went through and how he got to where he was in the course of all of that. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, he treated it as nothing. And after it was all said and done, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes on him, the simple gospel, the simple truth that, that Jesus Christ is the one who started it all, and he's the one who finished it. He who began a good work in you is going to complete it till the day of redemption. Well, later on in the passage, he comes back to say to us again in verse 3, not only look to Jesus, but here, consider him. Consider him. To study him. Learn more about him. 
I don't know uh, what you do in your devotional lives, but one of the things that's been the most enriching to me is to read the Gospels as a part of, of daily devotion, focusing just on Jesus. Just on Jesus. What he did, what he said, how he acted, learning as much as I can about him from him. And the more I know about him, the, the more enriching it is to my own life and my own ministry. And so he calls us to get our eyes off of all those distracting things and get our eyes back on him. The way he says it here is consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. How often we let just a little word or a little criticism or an oversight or something like that on somebody else's part, we let it make us angry, and then we get all upset, then we do all kinds of things with it, and next thing you know, we're, we're not running the race at all. <laughs> We've got our heels dug in over something that's not important to God. But the real reality is <coughs> here, we need to keep our focus. Consider the hostility against himself so that you do not grow weary or faint-hearted. You don't grow weary and discouraged in your souls. <coughs> I may need a sip of water. Do we have a bottle of water? Greg's got it. Okay. Thank you. <coughs> a tickle has attacked. That's terrible in the race. The bottom line is... <coughs> if we want to finish the race well, run well, finish strong, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. One final key. We've got to lean forward to the finish line. That is, we have to recognize <coughs> that the race is not done until we've crossed the finish line. We've completed the race God has set before us. We run with endurance. That is, we stay in the race no matter what. We stay focused on the God-given purpose for our lives, His design. We stay focused <clears throat> on the finish line and the one who's beyond the finish line, Jesus Himself. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, the Scriptures Give us these words from Paul. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made, <clears throat> I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, he is saying to us there, I'm, uh, the, the illustration is I'm leaning into the tape like a runner who's given his all or her all and she's coming to the finish line and she's leaning in to the tape, making sure that the finish line is reached and reached strongly. If we're going to run well and finish strong, we must get in the race. 
We must stay in the race. We must complete the race. <coughs> if we're going to run well and finish strong, we must come to that place in our lives where we are able to listen to the right voices. We're able to lay aside the impeding cargo. We're able to look to the victorious Lord, keep our eyes on the Lord. And we must determine that we're not just going to get there someday. We're going to be running strong. We're going to be giving it our all for the glory of God, for the glory of the Christ who saved us when we finish that race. If we do that, we'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul, as he recorded for us there in <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 4, we'll be able to say with him, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am ready, already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. All who kept their eyes on the Lord and on the finish line until they completed their race. If I had to summarize it today in, in a truth or a statement, two sentences this time instead of one. The take-home truth I'd give you today is God has given us all a race to run well and finish strong. Not just a race, but a race to run well and finish strong. The keys to completing successfully are found in tuning our ears to the right voices, unloading the impeding cargo, turning our eyes toward the right person, Jesus, and leaning hard toward completing the race. You've been given a race. It's been set before you. Will you accept the challenges to run with endurance and not become weary and discouraged and drop out? But you're going to finish that race as God has assigned and God has called you. Stay focused. You'll make it. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that by your Holy Spirit you will take your word today, if not the words of this preacher, and that you will minister encouragement to the hearts of those who have sat in this place today seeking a word from you, needing that encouragement that we've talked about. And I pray that when we go out of this building today, we will go with a new commitment to running well and finishing strong the race that is set before us. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.